0: Uh, our word for this morning i'm really excited about this word Uh, and uh, as we're just settling down thank you also to the team that led us in uh, music this morning. I thought it was really, really well. We had a young team here this morning. Thank you, guys. So, family, um, most of you at Trust will know this. You've already heard it this morning, so I'm going to rephrase it or remind us that we're part of an international family of churches. Throughout the world, there's every nation churches gathering And as an international family, once a year, beginning of the year, we unite around a specific theme. And then throughout the world, in every every nation church, if you were there in January and parts of February, you would hear the same theme being preached in all these churches. Because we believe there's something that God is saying to us as a movement to put our attention and focus on for this year. And we do this every year. But there's something that happens when we unite in our spirit and our hope and our trust for what God can do. Not just through us as a church, but through us as a movement. Imagine what God wants to do through you this year. We can so easily set goals for what I'm going to do in my work or my studies or at school. What I'm going to achieve in my personal health. Certain goals that I put, for, but what do you want to achieve in your spiritual life this year? Imagine what God wants to do in your life and through your life for His kingdom. And you've already heard this theme that we're uniting around this year is called miracles, and I'm really excited about this because we, as a movement, believe that God is still the God that we read in the Bible of. He hasn't changed. He's still able and He's still almighty and He still wants to do miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit today. And through this miracles, we trust that God would come and change circumstances, that we will deepen our faith, but also that He would be glorified and others would believe through this works. And therefore, as a movement, we're putting out our faith and we're saying, God, may this be the year of miracles. I hope you're excited. I hope God is stirring faith in your heart for what He wants to do in your life, through your life, and how He wants to be glorified in that. And may others believe because of what God is doing in us. May the kingdom of God be advanced because of the miracles we're trusting Him for. Now, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to preach through the book of John specifically And I really want to encourage you to join and commit to to be at the next couple of sermons as we're going to look at seven miracles that happened in the life and the ministry of Jesus throughout the book of John. And today we're going to start with um, probably one of the most famous miracles, and it's often quoted for the wrong reasons. But we're going to look at the, the first miracle that Jesus performed in His ministry. I don't know who knows this miracle. Who of you have ever been at an occasion where someone would go, well, even Jesus at a party ensured there was enough wine. Have you ever heard people quote that miracle maybe in the wrong sense? So we're going to look at John 2, transformation of water into wine where Jesus pitched up at a wedding. And we're going to look at some of the details that happened here. And this is the first miracle of Jesus that was recorded in his ministry. Now, while you're turning there, if you have your Bibles with you, I would love you to turn there. Um, Just a little bit of background about the book of John. It's one of the four gospel accounts of Jesus. But what makes John's account a little bit different than the other gospels, it's a much more personal account. You would see much more personal conversations between Jesus and others. And therefore, it's this beautiful relational book. And I trust that as we look at these miracles, that it will almost be as if God is relationally stirring your heart for what He wants to do in your life. So if if you're there, John 2, if you don't have your Bible, we're going to follow me on the screen as well. But let's close our eyes and let's pray together. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather together as a group of friends, believers, spiritual family. And Lord, in this moment, submit our lives, our thoughts, our understanding, even our emotions unto your word. And Lord, we pray now that you would be greater than any of these thoughts and emotions. I pray that by your spirit that you would come and and just lift up your word. Would you make your word alive and active, Lord. We're putting our faith out and asking, Lord, may you speak to us today. May you speak to us as a church, as a spiritual family, but may you also speak to us as individuals. And may you, through this ministry and through this miracle, come and stir our hearts for what you want to do. Lord Jesus, we thank you that even when you performed this ministry, it was so much more than what we're going to read today. Even in this moment, you had us in mind. thank you for your grace, and may you be glorified through your word. Amen. Amen. So let's read together. It's John 2, verse 1. I'm going to read from the uh, ESV translation. So on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. This is really important. This is the third day. It's really, really early in Jesus' ministry. Some of his disciples have started to follow him. Okay. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? Jesus said this in a much better way than I read it now. Okay, some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, well, if Jesus called his mother woman, surely I can tell my wife, woman. <laughs> but there's some cultural history that we need to understand. This was really a polite way of acknowledging an older woman. It was a respectful way. A better way would have been, dear woman. Okay. So if there was something in you going, woman, you should go, my dear wife, my dear girlfriend, my dear whatever. Go, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Interesting, Mary comes to Jesus. She knows Jesus can do something. And Jesus says, it's not my time. It's not my time. But look how Mary responds. His mother said to the servants, so even Jesus says, it's not his time. She turns to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone jars there with the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, and he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did in Ghana and Galilee and manifested His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. What a great miracle. I don't know about you, but when I think about miracles, and the type of situations that necessitates a miracle, running out of wine doesn't necessarily fall into the category of urgent miracles. There's a lot of other miracles and situations that I can think of that would have been a great start to Jesus' ministry. There's a lot of other miracles that I can think of that we need today that would be a great sign to manifest His glory. We might look at this miracle and think turning water into wine, It's, it's, it's how significant is this? But I do believe there's something to be learned from this first miracle of Jesus for each one of us. There's something to be learned about the basic understanding of miracles that we can apply to our lives. And looking at this miracle, there's five phrases that just stands out for me, and there's five phrases that I want to highlight and speak into this morning, and and hopefully by the end of these phrases come to a conclusion that's applicable to all of us in our lives. The first thing that just stands out for me, they have no wine. This is Jesus, Mary's words towards Jesus. They have no wine. Now we might look at it and think, this is not such a bad problem. Some of us that's been in church for a while might think, maybe this is a good thing. We'll see what happens at this wedding now. But we need to understand, weddings in those days in the Jewish culture was a lot different. Weddings in those days would typically last not just a day, but a week. And and guests would arrive not at one stage, but throughout the week. And you had to prepare for whenever a guest and their family or friends would arrive that there would be something for them to eat and to drink and to feast on. Can you imagine some family and friends traveled a couple of days to attend the wedding, and they pitch up, they're tired, they're excited, they want to celebrate, they're pitching up at Wednesday, and there's nothing for them to drink. Massive disappointment. It was important in the culture that the hosts made sure there is enough for everyone, There's enough food and drink for everyone during a ceremony. So if you were to not have enough food and wine, it would be a complete embarrassment on your whole family. It would be an absolute shame that you would have to carry for the rest of your life with you. Imagine small towns, small communities, and you're known as that, com- that couple. Yeah, the Atkinses. They couldn't even do a proper wedding. How are they going to make their marriage last? Rest of your life. They're known as the couple that didn't make it. Embarrassment and shame because of the cultural pressure and expectation. Now, I quickly want to ask, is there somebody sitting here this morning and you're currently planning a wedding? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Would you just, just keep your hands up just for a moment? Okay. Uh, great, guys. We're excited for you. Congratulations. Okay. It's going to be a great day. Don't get alarmed with what I'm going to say now. Okay. Um, anybody else that planned a wedding during the last year? Particularly, also, okay. Where's Yolani? Raise your hands. Nice and high. Yeah, come on. We're married already. Okay. Imagine. All the detail, pressure, expectation, everything that needs to fall into place. Think of all the table placings that you had to do. Think of the family that you didn't invite. Think of the friends that you did invite. Think of the people that were all the questions. Think about the mom's expectation. Think about your dress. Think about everything and compile that pressure. How many of you felt pressure planning that? I don't know if the two of you are feeling pressure. Maybe I should ask. The men, take all of that expectation, all of that pressure, and multiply it by seven. That's the pressure that was felt planning a Jewish wedding. Imagine the social and financial pressure in hosting a wedding. To not have enough wine would be absolutely disastrous. And here comes she, Mary to Jesus. And she tells Jesus, Jesus, they have no wine. Just, just say no wine. No wine. Not, Jesus, they have a little bit left. Jesus, I'm nervous for them. Doesn't look as if they it's Jesus. They have nothing left. This is the problem. This is their problem. There's nothing left. It is finished. There is no backup. There is no hope. There is no human solution. They have a problem. Who of you would love to experience a miracle this year? Nice and I. Nice and I. Keep it up, keep it up. And I promise I'm not going to do this the whole sermon. Okay. Love to experience a miracle. Who of you would love to be in a situation where you need a miracle? And that's just the honest truth. Would we love to have a miracle? Yes, please. Do I want to be in a situation where I need a miracle? Probably not. We're prone to strive for comfortable, easy, safe lives. We want to see the power of God, but we don't want to be in a moment where we need it. They have no wine. There's no backup. There's no plan. All miracles begins with problems. A miracle is birthed out of an impossible problem. And we should not shy away from those moments. We should not be fearful of those moments. Miracles are born out of problems. What problem might you be facing this year? What problem might you be facing in this moment? Because there's good news for all of us. Every problem that is presented to God becomes an opportunity for a miracle. When we're facing a problem and we present it to God, something changed. Now it's not just a problem, it's an opportunity for a miracle. Mary brought a problem to Jesus, and it turned into an opportunity. But if we don't take our problems to Jesus, if we don't take our problems or challenges towards God, it's just another problem. It's just like anyone else's problem, anyone who doesn't know God. It's just an impossible situation where you hope for the best. But if you bring your problem out of relationship with God to the Father, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, Then there's an opportunity for a miracle. When facing problems, do you know where to present your problem? Or do you hope for the best? We want to see miracles. But are you willing to bring your problem towards Jesus? Say, Jesus, it's an opportunity for a miracle. I'm trusting you. There's no why. Second phrase just stands out. Mary turns to the servants and says, do whatever He tells you. Do whatever He tells you. Do whatever Jesus tells you. Now, I don't know about you, but we've been through a couple of problems in the last couple of years. We've been through situations financially and health-wise where we brought a problem towards God for an opportunity. Every time that we've been in one of those moments as a family, we've experienced just so Many voices in the midst of a problem. When you're going through a difficult situation, Jesus, so many voices. Yes, we would love just to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here's an opportunity. But in that moment, facing the impossible, there's voices of fear. There's voices of anxiety. There's voices of worst-case scenario. There's voices that's of despair. There's voices of hopelessness and discouragement. There's voices of shame and embarrassment. There's voices of lies about self-worth and about God and with God be willing. Voices of unbelief. And if we want to know what to do in problems, we need to be really, really careful to which voices we are listening to. What voices are you allowing in your life? Because these servants need to know to do whatever Jesus tells them to. If you're listening to other voices, you would not hear Jesus telling you what you need to do. We need to quiet down those voices. We need to be really careful what we're listening to. And we need to seek and discern the voice of God. We need to hold on to His character and His words And his promises in those seasons. We just hold on to what he's already said. We're holding on to his character that he's already proven. And we just, from that place, do whatever he tells you to. Quiet the voices of fear and anxiety. Despair and hopelessness. You hold on to the character and word of God. The promises of Jesus. And from that place, do whatever he tells you. See, if you want to experience God doing something in your life, then do whatever He tells you to. If you want to experience God moving situations in your life, then do whatever He tells you to. If you want to see God restore relationships, then do whatever He tells you to. If you want to see God restore your finances, then do whatever He tells you to. A simple principle, a life of faith requires obedience. And sometimes we must obey even when we don't yet understand. Do whatever He tells you to. See, where is God calling for obedience in your life? Trusting God for a miracle. What problem are you presenting to Jesus? What acts of obedience is Jesus asking you? And then Jesus turns to these servants. And the next phrase, fill the jars with water. He has the do whatever he tells you to. Fill the jars with water. Now, I, I imagine being one of these servants. Wine's run out. I don't know who's Jesus. I, I might know who's Mary, but I, I, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm just there, there to work. And then this Mary tells me, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. The next time, moment, Jesus comes to me and says, fill this jars with water. Okay. Fill it with water. In that moment, did the water turn into wine? Well, if we stick to the Scripture, that's not what we see. Jesus then goes, fill the jars with water, then draw from this water. Okay, I'm drawing from the water. Okay. Now take it to the master of ceremonies. Really? No. Okay. And when they gave it to the Master of Ceremonies, then we read, water became wine. Sometimes you might not experience your miracle immediately. Sometimes God calls you to do something more and more and more. And more. And if you want to experience miracles in your life, do not get discouraged when it doesn't happen when you expect it to do. That miracle might not happen today, might not happen immediately, but until you experience God doing something in your life, continue to do whatever He tells you to. Fill the water. Fill the cans, draw the water, take the cup. But continue to do whatever He tells you to until He does something. See, continue to hold to the Word of God. Continue to walk in obedience to God. Continue to stand in faith for what God can do. Continue, continue, continue. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Just walk in obedience until He does what He said Stand strong. Stand in faith. And when they did this, the water now became wine. This master of ceremony drinks, and I think there was just a massive relief from the servant. Woo! Close one. <laughs> yeah. This master of ceremony drinks this wine, and water became wine wine. Jesus changed this water into wine. He changed embarrassment into celebration. See, miracles is not just a slight change to our circumstances. It's not just a a slight step better. It's not a, a small adjustment. Miracles brings forth radical transformation. And we should expect that. We should put our faith out. For radical transformation. Again, it might take time. It might happen in increments. But a miracle brings forth heaven on earth. Radical transformation. It takes nothing and it brings enough. It takes sickness and it brings health. It brings death. And it brings life. That's a miracle. Absolute transformation. Transformation. And as we'll see over the next couple of weeks, nothing is impossible for God. He can turn water into wine, but He can do so much more, so much more. But then He doesn't just turn water into wine. The master of the feast drinks this wine and says, "Yo, oh, this is good wine. This is the best. You've kept the best for last." What you might facing in your problem might be uncomfortable, might not be lucky, might be some of the most difficult things you're going through, but when God brings change, He brings forth the best. And in this moment, it might be so difficult for you to believe that, but ultimately, Jesus has, has the best in mind for us. That's what we are trusting for. What struck me is how, is how Jesus changed the water into wine. Jesus looks at these jars, and if we read that scripture, these jars was intended for ceremonial washing, cleansing, and purification. So they would typically fill these jars with water, and there was a it's a ceremony of how you would cleanse yourself, clean yourself. And Jesus uses these vessels of cleansing, and He turns it into wine. Now, if you're familiar with the gospel, you would know that often Jesus would reference wine as a symbol of His blood. And I cannot help but think of how this first miracle in Jesus' ministry ultimately points towards the last miracle in Jesus' ministry. Matthew 26, verse 27 and 28, Jesus has this moment with His disciples, and He says to them, He took a cup of wine, and he had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, at the end of Jesus' ministry, Jesus would willingly lay down His life and die on the cross for our sins, and His blood would become the sign of the cleansing of God of our soul. Here we see in Ghana, in the wedding, a a, a vessel that was meant for purification, and at the cross we see the blood of Jesus cleansing our hearts and our souls, the forgiveness of sin. He turned water into wine, and through the blood of Jesus, He cleansed our souls. That's the ultimate miracle. This miracle is great, and this miracle gives us hope, but this is the ultimate miracle that says God is for us. And no matter what you go through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what difficulty, what challenges you're lying at, no matter all the lies that says you're not worthy, that God doesn't want to do it, the cross stands over all of that and says, it is done. I'm for you. My blood has been poured out for you. And if you put your faith in me and you believe that I died for your sins and I was resurrected from the death, then nothing can separate you from me. And I give you new life. Whatever is dead, I will bring life to you. That's the ultimate miracle. And because of this miracle, we can look back to all our problems and we said, Well, Jesus, if you did this, then surely you can do whatever I'm trusting you for. Not because of what I'm doing, but because of what you've already done. We're holding on to this. Through the blood of Jesus, we say, God, would you change my problems? See, through his blood on the cross, he brings the cleansing and purification, purification of our souls. It's the ultimate miracle where he turns sinners into saints through the forgiveness of our sins. Orphans to sons and daughters, a restoration of our relationship to God. And despairing to hope, an eternal purpose and hope for each one of us. Then this miracle ends. After this master of the ceremony says, this is the best wine. We should embrace that, what Jesus did on the cross. If you experience new life in him, this is the best life that we can have on earth. But it's not our life that ends on earth. It's the best life into eternity. This is the best Jesus has done. And after this, we read, this miracle was to manifest His glory. Love this. He manifested His glory and the disciples believed in Him. This is the ultimate purpose of of miracles. See, when God does miracles, we benefit from it. This bridegroom benefited from it. For the rest of his life in this town, in this community, he would not be known as the guy who didn't have enough. He would be known as the guy who did bring the best. He was a benefit of what Jesus did. And yes, miracles is to our benefit, but the ultimate purpose of miracles is to magnify and glorify God. And therefore, we may desire miracles. Because it's about Him. It's not about us. And we may say, God, would you do something in my life so that you be glorified? And may it deepen my faith in what you can do and who you are, but may others also believe because of what you're doing in my life. See, when we say desire miracles in 2023, it's not so that we have easy lives and better lives and and it's just comfortable. It is so that God may be glorified through our lives, so that we will grow in our faith, and so that others would stand witness and say, that was impossible. What happened? And there would be a moment through the advancement of the kingdom of God because of miracles. We should desire to seek miracles. We shouldn't shy away from it. We should trust the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me and create a desire in me to see you move. We should step out in faith and pray for people for healing. We should trust for healing in our lives. We should trust people for financial breakthrough. But we shouldn't just trust it for ourselves. I love how in this story, it was not the bridegroom that went to Jesus. It was not the one that had the biggest problem. It wasn't the one that had the biggest need. It was Mary who came to Jesus on behalf of the bridegroom. Mary was petitioning for Jesus for someone else's miracle. When we speak about needs and problems, we can so easily, out of a, a human nature, just focus on ourselves. When we call for miracles, may this be a church where we petition on the behalf of others for miracles. They're saying, God, not just in my life, but I know, I know Philip and Renee need a miracle, God. I'm praying for them. I know Dip is in the honor, Lord. I'm on my knees and I'm praying, I'm petitioning, I'm interceding so that others may believe. Father, there's family that needs a miracle. They don't know you. May you do something so that they will believe. It's not just, Lord, me and my problems. It is, Lord, may you be magnified and glorified for the advancement of your kingdom. In my life, yes, Lord, but also in those who you've placed in my life. To conclude this morning, there is no wine. Every problem presented to God is an opportunity for a miracle. Do whatever He tells you to do. In the midst of that problem, just quiet all the other voices. Hold on to the Word and the character and promises of God and do whatever He tells you to do and continue to do whatever He tells you to do. Do not get discouraged. Do not lose faith. Hold on and continue to do whatever He tells you to. Because nothing is impossible for God. He really showed it on the cross. And because of that moment, we know that God is for us. And God is able. And He's willing. And we can trust Him for new life. Nothing is impossible for Him. And ultimately, our miracles... It's about His glory for deepening of our faith and so that others may believe. Let's pray. So, Lord, as we, as we pray in this moment, Lord, we come to you in, in so much dependence, Lord, and I realize there may be people sitting here this morning and, and hearing this message and thinking, yeah, but my situation, my circumstances, my relationship with God, all these reasons why you can't do things, Lord, and I pray that in this moment that you would, by your Spirit, stir faith in our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe and that you would help us to overcome unbelief, Lord, because in this moment we trust that you are able. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. May you now, by your grace, speak to us. May you, by your Spirit, come and stir our hearts, our emotions, and our thoughts for you are leading us to. And may you tell us whatever you want us to do. There where you are, would you pray that prayer? I'm going to give a couple of minutes just for personal prayer and Present your problem to Jesus. Bring your problem and make it an opportunity. Ask God, God, what, what are you calling me to do? Maybe you're not facing a problem. But what do you want me to do, Lord? Who are you placing in my life who's trusting you for a miracle? This is where you are. Use a couple of moments and pray. And Lord, as we do this, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten our hearts and speak to us. So as we're entering into this sermon series in the season, trusting for miracles, I shared with some of our leaders, I trust that it will be a season that we don't just preach on miracles, but it will be a season where we see miracles. And therefore this morning, I want to ask us as a church to do something out of faith. If you're sitting here this morning, you're facing a problem, an impossible situation, there is no wine, and you need a miracle in your life. I want to ask if you're willing to stand. Maybe you're standing in faith for someone else, for family, for friends, whatever God is placing in your heart in this moment. If you need a miracle, would you stand? And you can see the need amongst us. We want to unite our faith this morning. We might not know every problem and every situation that we are facing as individuals. But I do know God knows. And I do know that He's able to do something. And I'm putting my faith out that in this moment there will be change. But also in the weeks to come that we'll hear testimonies of miracles happening. Of healing coming. Of provision happening. Of financial breakthrough of family breakthrough, of relationships, of people's lives turning from darkness to light, coming to know Jesus because of every problem that's presented through this people standing. So I want us to stretch out our hands. And if you're standing, would you open up your hands? If you're standing, sitting next to someone, just stretch out your hands. And just by faith, we're now going to ask God, do something supernatural. We might not know what it is. We might not know what He's calling us to do. He might tell you, go and fill these jars. But we're saying, God, we're trusting you to do something. So Lord, you know us. You see us. You've known even this moment, Lord. And now, Lord, by the authority that you've given us, Lord Jesus Christ, we stand now, in that authority, we speak into every opportunity, every problem, every situation that is presented in this moment, Lord. And we say that you reign over this, Lord. You've already won. You've already conquered. And nothing is impossible for you, Lord. And it's not by our great faith and great visions and whatever it might, Lord, but only by your strength and your grace that they can come change. And, Lord, we're appealing to you in this moment. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Come and stir a faith in our hearts. Come and remind us of your word. Speak to us, Lord. What is the next step that you're calling us to, Lord? But I pray now in the spirit that something would change and something would shift, Lord. We're praying now for healing to come to people's lives, Lord. I pray for restoration of people's bodies, Lord. I pray for life to come to bodies, Lord. I pray for every diagnosis of sickness and no hope and death, Lord. And we speak to it now by the authority of Jesus. And we say, leave in your name, Lord Jesus, but healing come now. I pray for financial breakthrough, Lord. You are the ultimate provider. Lord, I pray that you would come and bring situations, that you would come and provide, Lord, that you would bring grace and opportunity, Lord, that you would bring wisdom and decisions, Lord, but that you would bring a shift and a change. Lord, I pray for relationships, for family, for people. I pray for those who feel that their relationship is so broken, it cannot be restored, Lord. I pray you are the God of relationships, Lord, and nothing is impossible. I pray in this moment that there would be a heart change, that you would create a desire in those that's presented today to seek you and experience you, Lord. Lord, you know every problem, Lord, and we're presenting it to you. And we say, Lord, may this be an opportunity for a miracle. It's you alone. You alone can do this. But Lord, may you be glorified. And Lord, as we ask this, I pray for every person that's standing in faith. Would you by your spirit come and make them aware of your presence now. May you settle their hearts. May you clear all the voices in their minds. May you bring them peace. you speak to them, Lord. Father, we acknowledge that you are good. You're full of grace and mercy. Lord, may you fill this moment, this opportunity with grace and mercy, goodness and love. In your name, Lord Jesus. And all of us say, amen. You can just remain standing. We're not done. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands again. But it would not be right for us not to acknowledge Jesus. Not to enter into this year reminding ourselves that He has gone ahead of us. And He's already turned the ultimate water, the ultimate cleansing into wine.